Corners mean a little more in 2020 thanks to Primera Blue Cross and the Corners for Community program. Whenever your Seattle Sounders take a corner kick this regular season, Primera Blue Cross will donate $500 to Rave Foundation and its mission of empowering and strengthening local communities through the vehicle of soccer. To learn more about Corners for Community and to see how much Primera has donated to date, visit soundersfc.com slash corners for community. Primera Blue Cross, always in your corner. Listen to this. Sakamani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Sakamani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winging It with Zach and Brad. Obviously, no Sounders FC game this week as the team was knocked out of the MLS's back tournament last week. But we look to be getting closer and closer to some kind of MLS regular season game, um, regular season happening. We're not sure exactly what it's going to look like, um, but we will touch on that a tiny bit. We'll also have um, the one bright spot from that game against LAFC, which was Will Bruin joining us as well. Uh, for a quick catch-up and a, co- a little congratulations from us to him as well. But, Brad, I wanted to pick your brain. Obviously, we don't know for sure what's going to happen. I mean, we have an idea that um, it's going to be very region-based. You know, Seattle will probably see Portland, LAFC, Galaxy, Vancouver, teams like that. Um, do I, 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 If you were still on the team, if you were still playing, what would like? how badly would you want them to try and figure this out? Or was the bubble the better plan or do you not mind um, them trying to find maybe a 12 to 18 extra games for a regular season? Yeah, I think we were talking about this back in, you know, March is that this year is going to be so weird and yeah. it's held, it's held true. Um, you know, the bubble was successful. Uh, yeah. Every bubble in, in sports has been successful so far. And, and they've shown that they, you can create an environment where if everyone adheres to protocols and rules and, yeah. and, you know, isolates themselves as best possible that you can achieve, you know, a uh, little utopia, I guess, in your in your setting. So, um, you know, and and now, like I think we'll talk about is they're they're going to go into almost a third preseason right now. So the bigger right. question is is will we even get to see the best of the Sounders this year? You know, some teams. You know, I want to talk about this last week uh, that mm-hmm. entering this tournament, we we were talking about it before, is that the Sounders are always either headed into the tournament full steam. Or, you know, maybe they're maybe they're fledgling a little bit and they're trying to, you know, claw their way back in and leave everything on the field. Well, this when this tournament started, everyone had a level playing field. So yeah. it, was, it was a little bit different for the Sounders to approach this one. And, and there are some dark horses that's, I think, surprised everyone that made it to the semifinals and now the finals. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think it's just it, it's a weird season. Um, but I think that we'll, we are yet to see the best of the Sounders. We're yet to see a full healthy 11. We're yet to see a, a healthy Nico. So I think yeah. everything right now is just taken in stride and, and the league is doing the best that it can. I think it can be successful as long as the guys are, again, adhering to protocol. Um, what, do, what do you think? Do you think that we'll still see the best of this team this year or um, is it something that we should just basically wait until next year? Yeah, I, I, I honestly think in terms of in terms of the, the best, um, 
we're going to have to wait until next year. I think you'll see a decent version, but I think all teams, not just the Sounders, I think I don't think any team is going to be able to find the rhythm um, that they would want. I mean, you have preseason and then you have a start of a season, you stop and then you can't train for a while. You're doing online workouts and then you come back in a small group, you get back into a bubble. Then that ends early for you if the Sounders, then you've got this other long wait, you're kind of back in preseason mode. So I don't know that any team can find cohesion and um, stability in that way. You, again, still no excuse. You still, if you're the Seattle Sound, you still got to play really well and do things the right way. But to reach their very best, it normally takes this team three or four months before they start flying on all cylinders and Nico's in his groove and Jordan's going and rolling. You're seeing bits and pieces here and there. But I don't think um, the way it's going right now that it lends itself to um, us seeing the very best of the Sounders. What I would say is, what, what do you think? Because I heard them talking about the NBA, for example, where they're having this debate of does this year's NBA um, winner is it more impressive than usual because of the circumstances, mm-hmm. or less impressive where you got to put an asterisk next to it because you know it's a little bit less games. There's not going to be any home court advantage, etc. Things like that. I wonder if we apply it to MLS, like if they do come back and have 12 game season or 18 game, and it ends up being I don't know 22, 23 game um, supporter shield season. Is that more impressive than the usual playing from March through October 34 game? Or what's your take on that? Is it harder this way with a stop-start or is it just um, a lot easier because you're not playing as many games? Yeah, I think the reality is is if you win it, everyone's going to applaud you and say, oh man, the circumstances were so difficult. You did it. You know, The chips were stacked against you. And if you lose it this year, if you don't do well, you know, people are going to say, Oh man, there was a pandemic. Um, right. You know, here's a wash. We give you a pass. Let's reset for next year. So I don't know. I, th- I think that's still uh, the jury's still out for me there. I think when we watch these games, whenever this season kind of starts back up, is are the, do the games feel real? If they do, then it's going to feel like a real season for me. Right. Right. Um, the players have they're they're going to have to overcome more adversity than they ever have before. So yeah, there's there's yeah. a pat on the back if you, if you do win. Um, you know, one of the two teams, whoever wins Orlando or or Portland is going to get a massive round of applause for what they've been able to do and stick it out in, in that bubble for a long period of time. But yeah, like the NBA circumstances are different. They're probably more difficult than you're staying at home and home court advantage, home field advantage. So I don't know, but there is a star next to this season, no matter what. Um, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, a champion is a champion. Yeah. They, they, They find, they find ways to win, right? Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. I think you can definitely um, look at it both ways. Um, before we get Will on, are you, have you been surprised by... Well, which, which team surprised you the most in this tournament? I think there's been a couple, uh, but which team yeah. for you has surprised you the most? I, honestly, all, all four in the semifinals, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, save for LAFC, but I, I just think, you know, Philly surprised me. I, I didn't expect Philly to kind of you know, the, the resurgence that they did, although we probably should have looking at their roster top to bottom yeah. and, and what they've been able to do developmental wise over the past couple of years. I think yeah. they're just, they, they were just so bad for so long that you kind of think of it as an anomaly this year, but really they've been building something for, you know, three, four, five, six years now that yeah. they've finally been able to get to this point. They stuck with the head coach. The Academy's done really well. Um, you know, and then obviously Minnesota, um, you know, yeah. they, they did so well last year, but people there, you know, they tried to play the underdog and it, and, and they did it as long as they could, but we all know that they're a really good team. They've got top quality yeah. players and, um, yeah, but, but even Portland has surprised me because I don't think their defense is that good. 
mm-hmm. but you know their front their front three or four are are you know obviously leading that charge. Um, what what about you? Which which ones have stuck I, out? I, I think Orlando. Orlando has been for me because the way yeah. I, I, yeah. I know Orlando. I know Oscar's a really good coach. Um, I remember him from Dallas. Yeah. He's a very good coach. But yeah, I didn't think they'd hit the ground running this this quickly. I always whenever a coach can get this team superstar to buy in, which he seems to have got Nani yep. to buy into what he's doing, it's it's gonna go so much smoother. And no, they're playing the right way. The team works hard. I see Nani tracking back, and I mean. Obviously, it helps when he's scoring and he's feeling good. But no, they've really surprised me because they've taken on um, his identity really, really quickly. And yeah, I'm not surprised at all to see them where they are. And then the ones you mentioned, I mean, Philly, you know, I like watching Philly. I like, obviously, everyone's talking about the kid, Aronson. But I saw him last season. I thought he was really good. Um, uh, Minnesota is a good team as well. So yeah, I'm not too surprised. I thought LAFC was probably still, I think, the best team overall. They just end up losing on penalties. But in terms of, you know, front to back and how they play, I think they were the best team. So, yeah, there were definitely some expected things, but I think Orlando's the biggest surprise just for how quickly they've taken on Oscar's style and the way Nani's performing and how he's brought in. It's been really good to watch, to be honest. So Yeah, it's it's interesting to, you know, you just change a coach, right? It changes yeah. everything. And and the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, Sasha Kleshin was there for two years, I think, yeah. and just did not get along with the coach that was there before. So he wanted out. And now all of a sudden Oscar comes in and they've built this really good team. And you look back and you're like, oh, man, I would have fit in that team pretty well. You know, yeah. a true identity is what players want and a, and a specific style of play. Um, I want to ask you one quick question. I, and and mm. we talked about it a little bit before before we went on. But this this uh, Anelka Netflix on uh, the yeah, Anelka yeah. documentary on Netflix, really intriguing. I, I didn't know much about his you know yep. previous career. You probably more than I. Um, yep. If why, why don't we see more proper well done american documentaries on american players and and who would be your first pick to kind of lead that it, charge it, 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 i'm still to this day shocked that no one's done anything really in depth with clint dempsey till this yeah. day like right. it, it, it's, it's unbelievable to me that no one's really gone to his small hometown in texas and kind of tracked and talked to the teachers and the coaches he had and former teammates and things like that and tracked him. I think he's the story because he's kind of fought his way up from the bottom. He was drafted in MLS, went to Fulham, not the biggest team in England, but um, did really well there as well. Yeah, the fact that no one's really tracked him and then he's retired as, you know, joint leading scorer of all time with Landon Donovan and he's kind of just vanished. He's not on TV. He's not really a social media guy and he's kind of just over there in the woods in North Carolina fishing every day with his kids and it's mm-hmm. like no he's just gonna disappear and this is potentially the greatest American player of all time he's in that conversation so he will be the one he's an interesting character anyway I think um there's a lot more to him than people maybe know and there's good and there's bad and there's articles that pop up every now and then but I think Clint mm-hmm. Clint's maybe a misunderstood guy who I'm surprised no one's taken the time to really do an in-depth study with him and speak to his parents and his brother and things like that and his sister so he would be far and away number one for me I think um, Clint Dempsey yeah I think I think there's a couple good stories out there in, in American soccer that I don't think yeah. anyone's done a real you know that high definition super high quality whether it's yeah. HBO or you know Netflix just kind of take the charge and get it started because yeah. there's kids out there that probably have no idea who Clint is and that's exactly. that's a problem when we talk about American soccer development and American soccer culture these like you said these guys are getting lost Lannon's been yeah. out of the game for a long time uh, yeah. Brian McBride, who you yeah. know obviously was amazing overseas as well. You know Casey himself. All, all these players that have yeah. um, you know done it. Landon done extremely well in in building this 
soccer culture in America, there, there's nothing out there, nothing high quality. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. That, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Them, uh, I mean, the other guy is obvious, and this is probably an obvious story, but um, Freddie Adu, someone to do a story yeah. on him because, yeah, he went through things that I don't think anyone's gone through playing at 14 in MLS and all of that. So, I think um, Freddie Adu would be an interesting one for sure as well. Yeah. But, interesting. all right, well, we'll be right back in a second here. We'll be joined by Wolverine. Um, as I said, the one bright spot from that MLS is back defeat. Um, that uh, the Sounders had against LAFC. We'll come back after 13 months out with that serious injury, scoring the goal. Maybe could have had another, but at least for a brief moment, gave the Sounders hope. So we'll touch base with Will as soon as we come back. Neighbors. More than just people next door. Good ones are indispensable. They look out for us. Look after us. Have our back at a moment's notice. They're quick to lend a hand. Or a hammer. They are trusted allies when times get tough. For more than 100 years, through prosperity and challenges, we've done our best to be that reliable next-door neighbor. Your neighbor. WaFed Bank. Member FDIC. All right, you guys are ready. Good to go. All right. All right, well, welcome back. and glad to say we are joined by Will Bruin. The Sounders MLS's back journey ended on a sour note, but obviously the main highlight was seeing the return to the pitch of Will Bruin. And not just the return, but also a goal. So Will joins us right now to recap all of that and talk about what's happening. Will, what's going on, man? Yeah, oh, not much. Thanks for having me on, guys. Good to, good to talk to you. Absolutely. Let's let's get right to it. Obviously, that game against LAFC was, you know, in a disaster in a lot of ways. But for yourself personally, if you can separate yourself from the team for a second, I know you're a team first guy. But just how yeah. good did it feel after about 13 months out to not only come back in and play, but also score? Yeah, it was nice. Like on a personal standpoint, to be able to get back out on the field, be part of the group, um, and get a goal on top of that, it was. It was really nice. Like thinking when I'm sitting at midfield coming, I'm like, all right, just complete your first pass and go from there. Like that was my main objective. Um, I think I had like two or three completions and then the goal. So I was just like, oh, well, that's a, that's a good start. But, um, you know, bad circumstances all around. But, um, you know, when it was 2-1, I thought we were going to get that second one and make a push. You could kind of feel LAFC like going like, oh, my God, here we go again sort of thing. Um, but unfortunately, it, it didn't happen. But it was nice to be back out on the field. The, uh, I mean, you should have had two potentially. I think, I think if you're in, know. you know, mid season form, I, th I think you, you, you know, you notch that second one in and, and the team's yeah, kind of offline. It changes, yeah, it changes the whole trajectory of the tournament potentially. And that's, that's how close, um, you know, things get in soccer that people don't realize. I don't think most of the time, but if you could just, just kind of recap the tournament, you know, you guys obviously went in with a certain mindset. You, you, you fall out of the tournament in, uh, not such, uh, graceful terms. And where does the team head from from here on out now? Out and get some other competition, play other people and stuff. Um, you know, the group games, they were weird. You had an 8 o'clock p.m. game. You had a 9 a.m. game. You had an 11.30 p.m. game. So daily daily uh, clocks and time frames for your body were all over the place. Um, training times fluctuated from morning to night, just depending on when, when the game was. But um, like I said, it was good to – to be out there, play some other competitions instead of doing inner squads and then kind of um, come back, regroup and get ready for, for part two of the season or, or whatever they decide to put together. And well, for yourself now, would you say your 
at 100% fit, do you feel like your old self, or is it still going to be a case of getting as much um, match practice as possible before you feel up and back running like your old self? Yeah, no, like physically, I feel really, really good. I feel really well. Um, I still, you know, still trying to get the spacing and timing and everything down. Um, speed of play has come back pretty, pretty quickly, but, you know, just like the movements and the awareness on the field and the spacing, just little subtle things, you know, I've noticed maybe are coming back a little slower, but more trainings and stuff that'll, that'll come back and more like, you know, game minutes that'll, that'll come back in. Uh, after a long layoff, what, what is your mindset at this point? Like, like you just said, you touched on it a little bit, but you know, you have Raul in front of you. Are you at the point where you'll just continue to keep pushing as hard as you can to get to the next level, I guess, or are you in a comfortable mm -hmm. role now where, you know, you're going to come off the bench, potentially you're going to get odd games if there's international fixtures, or is there yeah. still something inside of you that says, Hey, I'm coming on I'm scoring goals. Like I'm, I'm going to keep pushing this thing and, and see how far I can take it. Yeah. Um, my mentality, I'm never one to, you know, kind of just snuggle into a role and say, Oh, this is fine. I'll, I'll be ready when called upon sort of thing. I'm always pushing, you know, I, I know I got a lot of goals left in me. Um, I'm not ready to concede being a backup at all. Um, you know, that's just my mentality, but first and foremost, I want to make sure that I get, you know, ready to stay healthy, like no more injuries. I'm over that. That's I'm done with that. So I want to make sure that I'm, healthy and good for for when we start back up and you know doing everything i can to prevent anything i know things happen that's part of the game but um you know prep and stuff that i can control to make sure i stay on the field is going to be important for me especially as i get older but um, to answer your question simply every time i'm on the field i'm trying to score and you know i'm not i don't like you know being being a backup but that's the role i will take whatever role but i want to be pushing to to be playing and scoring because you know that's that's like the best feeling in the game for me uh, well, I was curious about the team's mood in the locker room because, you know, yeah, it was a bad result, but ultimately the game didn't mean much. It was the group games that count towards regular season and then the knockout games were for that particular tournament. So you lose, fair enough, only one team can be a winner. So was there disappointment? Was there an understanding of, hey, it's bad, but we did okay in the three games that actually counted? What was the mood in the dressing room after that game? It was definitely disappointing just the way the game went. I think um, we knew that LAFC was going to come out flying just because you can say a revenge game or whatever, blah, blah, blah. We, but, you know, um, they, from my perspective, I think they kind of got on top of us early with their high press and maybe we tried to play out of it a little too much and it played into their hands. Um, but it was definitely disappointing because I don't think a four to one score line necessarily for, you know, when it was two to one, it could have been two two, and then we could have gone on to win the game. So I don't think that really does it justice. I mean, at the same time, Steph made a bunch of big saves that could have stopped it from being six or seven to one. But um, it was definitely disappointment because we know we're much better than than we showed that game. And you know, it's just it's just one of those one of those anomalies. Um, Steve and I kind of talked about this the 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 podcast after that game, but it was mm -hmm. the question that got brought up is is. Who, who's the ultimate leader on this team right now? In, in your, you're in it every day. You're in the locker room. Who's the guy yeah. that, when the chip, when the chips are down, is going to take the team by, you know, the scruff of the neck and say, hey, or whether it's that locker room, you know, taking over the the locker room to say, you know, we got to step it up. Or when you get back home from a long road trip, whatever it is, um, who is that guy in yeah. your opinion? Yeah, honestly, like 
first thing that comes to mind is like, I don't think we have one person necessarily that does that. I think Steph does a really good job of, you know, he gives the pregame speeches and he makes sure that everybody's ready to go. And I think it's kind of a group of guys like, you know, Gustav, Steph, Nico, some guys that come to mind first, Christian, um, you know, the guys, we just kind of police ourselves. We don't look at one person to be like, oh, that's the, the North Star. That's the person we have to look at to make sure that we're all, he's going to get us going and rallying. I think it's a handful of guys, and I think that's good because it can reach everybody in the group. Um, well, last one for me here, you know, MLS is working on some type of regular season um, schedule coming out. So coming from that tournament into potentially this next phase of games, what is the team's mindset? I know it's been a very disjointed season, a couple of games early on, a four-month break. Now you've had three regular season games again, and then potentially a few more to come. Where would you assess the teams at? Do you like our 2020 team? Do you see room for improvement? Or overall, has it actually been um, pretty decent considering um, the kind of year it's been? I like our 2020 team. Um, I feel like this is our third preseason that we're in right now of the year, which <laughs> has been crazy, just given the year in general. It's just nobody's had a normal year. Um, so I, 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 like our, I like our team a lot. Um, I think we're still trying to get used to how this year has played out with stopping and starting, stopping and starting. It's kind of hard to get to a training rhythm with not knowing the games and stuff. So that's, that's been difficult, but everybody's going through that. So you can't really say that's an excuse, but, um, you know, I think once we get, depending on how they, you know, if they go forward with a regular schedule of 12 to 18 games or whatever they set out, hopefully um, it can all be done safely and we can kind of get into a rhythm and get going and knowing when our games are going to be, but there's going to be a lot of games. Um, so, you know, we're going to have our depth tested. We're going to have to make sure everybody's healthy and ready. But that being said, if, if everybody's healthy and good, I really like our team. I like our depth. I like the players we have at every position. So I think we can really make um, a strong run as long as we get into a good rhythm with weekly trainings and games and, you know, all that normal stuff. I think, um, you know, health health is going to be key moving forward here because yeah. it looks like these games are going to be really close together. So like you said, depth yeah. is going to be key um, and especially health for you because you're going to be number one off the bench. That In my mm -hmm. mind, you are number one off the bench. If you're, if you're not a starter, yeah. you're going to be the first one off. So, um, you know, the fans might not know, but what are the just a couple things before you take off the things that you're doing personally to make sure that you're staying yeah. healthy, you know, kind of as you age and, and, you know, kind of mold into this new uh, role that you have? Yeah. So first thing that comes to mind is as, as I get older, my prehabs, I got, I can't just go out onto the field like I used to when I was a young 20 something year old. Um, I could just literally roll out, warm up 5v2, get going. Now I'm doing work in the gym before training to get my body going and then warm up to get going and then into training. Um, so I used to, I used to give the uh, older guys trouble when I was younger, be like, Oh, why do you have to do so much to get going? Now I'm one of those guys. So it's, it's pretty funny how it feels full circle, but, um, and also nutrition, you know, on, on the same side of that, when I was younger, I could pretty much eat whatever I wanted. It didn't really affect me. Now, as you get older, you kind of feel the subtle differences. So it's just one of those things that it is what it is, but as, as you pay, you mature as you go on and you pay more attention to things like that. And hopefully that prolongs the back end of your career and just little things that I can give myself an edge on of staying healthy from here on out is things I want to do they're easy things it doesn't take a lot of work um, to do like reformer work and stuff like that and just making sure that every day you're ready for training um, 
You know, just little things I have noticed I have to do more and more of as I get older. Will, we're delighted you're back. Um, congrats on the comeback. Congrats on the goal as well. Hopefully, the first of many this season. We'll see what happens. But as always, thanks for making the time to join us, man. Yeah, thank you, guys. When I scored that goal, I wanted to celebrate, and I looked around. And, oh, man, <laughs> go. Guys, that's kind of <laughs> underwhelming. <laughs>calling all sounders fans do you know a community hero now more than ever we want to recognize those that are going above and beyond to serve our region whether grocery store workers healthcare professionals janitors restaurant staff or friendly neighbors our community is full of courageous individuals who deserve our thanks please nominate your community hero at soundersfc.com slash community heroes for a chance to have chi franciscan and sounders fc honor them with a vip experience your Seattle Sounders have scored eight goals so far in 2020, and that means Fred Meyer will be donating $2,000 to Ray Foundation to help provide groceries for families in need. To learn more about the Goals for Zero Hunger program, please visit soundersfc.com slash goals for zero hunger. All right, welcome back. Thanks again to Wolverine. Um, just before we get out of here and let you go about your day, we're going to touch base just on a couple of questions uh, for myself, for myself and Brad Evans. Um, the first one for you, Brad, I'll ask is from, and this is one that comes up often as well. And I actually was thinking about this um, this weekend because I did have a conversation um, with a friend of mine. Um, do you think, and I'm going to go from 2008, maybe like your Columbus team, our early Sounders teams, and I'll probably cap it at like 2013-ish. Do you think any team from that era could compete in today's MLS? Um, that's a really good question. I, this is the age old question. Uh, right. I, I would love to say yes. Um, mm -hmm. you know, when I look back on the, that 2008 Columbus team, yeah. it was so much different than what major league soccer is now. That's um, it, yeah. you know, at that time we had eight Americans starting, um, and yeah. three, foreign players or only two foreign players, Alejandro Moreno, Guige, and our left back, Gino Padula, and the rest were American players. Pretty crazy. So just way different. And, and the way that we played was a bit um, straight Ziggy, 4-4-2. I thought that yeah. team was really, really good. And, and our Sounders teams became a bit, you saw the progression of MLS during those times. You know, yeah. you win the Open the open Cup winning teams. Oh uh, that game against Chicago at, at home was you know, an, uh, an awesome game uh, and, and a very good team. So, yeah, I, I do I do think that um, we would compete. I think you're looking at a lot of players that retired that um, maybe retired a little bit early also. And yeah. you're saying that they would now be in their, you know, um, you know, early to mid 30s as, you know, still top quality players. Yeah. Yeah. You're still competing. Um, yeah. What do you think? <sighs> it's tough for me. I was I, I, Again, there are some like I'm not going to sit here and say that um, that prime level Robbie Rogers couldn't play in today's MLS. He could. Eddie right. Gavin, Shaloto, like Chad Marshall, whoever. And looking at some of the guys we had on our Sounders teams, yeah, play. I think what's changed is just the tactics. And you just have the way the game is played now and the evolution of some of the players are and things like that. I think that is maybe where, yeah, it's tough to yeah. see those teams compete. We didn't have those tools. But if we did have those tools, I think, of course, we'd be, um, we'd be able to. I don't think the players or the trainings exponentially better in that sense so um i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't um I, I wouldn't go against that and then last one before we go similar but a bit different where where would 
an LAFC or Sounders, some of the top teams in MLS, like, drop them into the EPL in a 38-game season, can compete or just, no, just a different level? I don't know. I, sometimes I think yes when I watch the games at the highest level, but it's very, very hard to throw yourself or that even that mindset into that situation. Right. I, I think you'd probably, you'd be fighting for relegation, I think. Yeah. Possibly a little bit higher. Um, but, I mean, you look at a team like Newcastle. Like, that's yeah. a really, really good team that would dominate in MLS. And they're yeah. not struggling, yeah. but they're not as consistent as they want to be in, in the top flight, right? Yeah. Um, and they've got top-quality players. And it's top to bottom. It's the whole roster. You're bringing on, you know, players on their bench that would start on every MLS team. So, yeah. I don't know. That's a difficult one. And you probably have a better of it than I do after you know being being over there for so long um, yeah. in that situation. What what's your take on that one? Yeah, it's tough for me. I, w- I would always say the thing that kind of gave the bad perception of MLS was that the MLS teams would play Real Madrid, Barcelona, whoever, and Man U and lose three, four, five, six nil. But then I say that those teams are doing that to teams in their own leagues week in, week yeah. out anyway. So it's not really the measuring. So I'd love to see like an LAFC play against a Newcastle or you know Bournemouth play against the Sounders. That I think equivalent levels. I do think over a 38-game season, um, the quality would shine a bit and the best MLS teams could maybe hope to stay in the league, but I think that'd be a yeah. stretch as well. Because, yeah, it is a slightly different level. But, um, yeah. but no, it, it's not as far as people would think. And on any given day, on any one day, any team can compete with any team. So, um, yeah, it'll be, we'll never know, but that definitely would be a Let me ask you one, one more question, because that kind of uh-huh. falls in line with player development. And, and yeah. this documentary, it's at Clairefontaine, and I got to go there when I was like 15, yeah, yeah. and that place was unbelievable. Yeah. Is is that missing in, in U.S. soccer, a place where youth players can all go and, and live? And, you know, you had it with IMG, um, yeah, I but I don't think yeah. you have it anymore because there, there are younger players now playing in MLS and, and you have your own academies. But are they missing yeah. taking the top, you know, 20 players from all those academies somehow and bringing them together for a month or two at a time to build that American soccer culture? Yeah, I think so, man. I think I think you can't go wrong with that. I remember... In early 2000s, when Germany built something similar, Spain has done it. England had to go back to the drawing board and then built a whole new training facility for the national team that came down all the way to the youth teams on the men's and the women's side. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I do think so. I do think so. I think it's very... The, the French one was unique because they ended up producing um, a World Cup winning squad and European yeah. Championship winning squad. And But Germany also won the World Cup, as did Spain. So, and then England, you know, has been to semifinals now. So, yeah, I... I, I I think so. I think if you get the very best American players and you're talking, some, it's a really good generation from um, obviously Christian Pulisic at the top, Reynard and some of those guys, and you get them for a time, if you can, together with the coaching staff, developing them. And then um, to, when they were 15, 16, I think, you know, the next Pulisic, the next Reynard, I think, um, can only be benefited by that development. I think it's just hard because of our league and our league's calendars completely opposite yep. to the European calendar and some of the best young kids are now just going to bypassing MLS, bypassing college, going straight to Europe. So it's a bit tough from that perspective. But um, mm. yeah, I, th- I think it'd be beneficial. I think it definitely would be, man. I think so. So, all right. I think that's, that's us for this week. Uh, we're going to see what happens with the, I don't know what they're going to call it. The MLS is back. Point two point oh, I don't know, but the next phase of the MLS regular season thing, and as soon as that returns and we have some kind of idea, we also will be back. So that could be next week, it could be in a couple of weeks. Stay tuned to the Sounders social media channels. 
um, and we'll let you know when we'll be back. But we'll hopefully within a couple of weeks we'll be back here recording and previewing um, another Sounders FC game coming up. So thanks again to Will Bruin. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Winging it with Zach and Brad, Steve Zach, and Brad Evans, and we'll be back soon, hopefully.